0: Do you ever wish you could pull the preacher aside and say, I just had no idea what you were talking about? I feel that way sometimes. I felt that way a lot of the time. And so we decided to create a podcast where you could ask questions about our sermons and we would try our best to answer them. Don't let us get away with that kind of stuff. If you don't understand what we're saying, tell us that and we'll try to say it better. My name is Ricky Jones. This is from River Oaks Presbyterian Church in Tulsa. We call this podcast... From Sunday till Monday Trying to make the sermons we preach on Sunday uh, Practical on Monday So we hope you enjoy listening We're going to answer some questions that you sent in About yesterday's sermon Uh, Yesterday I preached on God's law Why we should keep it, how we should keep it And specifically about taking the Lord's name in vain And how we honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy Two things that we don't talk about a lot So if you have more questions, send those in I hope this conversation is helpful to you
1: Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Well, we talked about, rather you preached about, and then we asked questions about the Ten Commandments and how they are not just rules given in a vacuum, but they have a context that we have to understand in order to really be able to keep them as they're intended. So... Let's talk just for a minute about that context of the Ten Commandments, how they're not just given in a vacuum yeah, in a wider story.
0: Yeah, yeah you know, I think the most important, the, the very key thing to know about the Ten Commandments is that they are given from God to His people. We're not trying to become part of His people. We're not trying to come, become saved by keeping the commandments. We're already in His family. He says... Uh, you know, in the prologue, he says, I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you out of, that, out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And in saying that, you know, he's already said, um, you're mine. I've already bound myself to you, and I have already saved you. You're, you're my children who uh, I have already redeemed. And so these laws, are it's not a way for us to kind of earn salvation or earn approval. But it's his directions on how to live now that we have been saved, um, and, and that's just so important. You know, you can't you can't put a price on the motivation. The motivation flows out of our salvation, out of our adoption, out of the grace that God has given us, and it's not uh,
1: it's not just a bunch of arbitrary rules. When you understand that, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it followed the Ten Commandments. They come out of that story of salvation and the exodus. And then we see that story, the exodus is really the foreshadowing of the gospel story in Jesus, who came to rescue us from our slavery and then to reinforce the law. Um, and in the New Testament we see the same pattern as the Ten Commandments. It's not do all this stuff and then you'll be saved. But no, Jesus came, he did all the work to save you and now this is the way you get to live and I would say the New Testament is is really built on the foundation of the Old Testament law and the yeah. Ten Commandments
0: so, absolutely yeah and, and really it all goes back to creation this is how God created us to function and um, you know Martin Luther says you can't you can't keep any of the commandments if you break the first one that um, he, if the Lord is not our God then we're going to end up breaking all the commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, but if He is our God, then it makes sense why we would... This is, these are the rules of how you would love Him, and this is how what it looks like to love each other. Uh, you know, I had a great experience one time. I was doing a conference for college students, and a, a Muslim kid had come and he had never heard the gospel before. Mm. And um, we were talking about the law, and I'd said in one of my sermons... That the law is fulfilled, the entirety of the Ten Commandments, the entirety of God's law is fulfilled by loving each other. And he could not understand that. And we talked for a few minutes, and I said, Well, if you love somebody, you're going to steal from them. And this, his his eyes just lit up. He's like, Oh my gosh, you're right. I can't love from so, someone and steal from them. I can't love someone and steal their wife. I can't, you know, and it, it just all just totally made sense to him all of a sudden. And, uh, that was that was a fun moment for me. It's always fun to kind of see that really hit home with somebody. Yeah,
1: that's great. So you talked about the the context um, with the historical context of the Ten Commandments, but also the gospel context. And then um, what we really looked like we looked at in the sermon was the what we call the first table of the law. Yeah, yeah. One way of thinking about the Ten Commandments is in two parts: so <laughs> the first four commandments are really about our relationship with god Mm -hmm. and then the five to ten the the next six are really about okay then flowing out of our relationship with god how Mm -hmm. now do we have a relationship with one another
0: and there's a really cool I, i love studying it because you know there in that fourth commandment is the perfect transition it starts out honor the lord's day keep it holy and he immediately in that commandment starts talking about not only is it for you but it's The way you treat your family, the way you treat your servants, and so it's that perfect transition from how we love God and worship Him to how we love our neighbor. Yeah.
1: Well, good. Okay, well, let's jump into some questions.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's generated more questions than I expected, and they were way
1: harder than I expected. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We got some. We got some pretty smart people. That's fun. So. It's good. All right. Uh, First question is. Is the Sabbath Saturday or Sunday? Yeah. Um, well,
0: Jonathan, you know what our standards say. Uh, in the PCA, we, we, we submit to the Westminster Confession, which says it is Sunday. And uh, that was a transition uh, because of the work of Christ, He make, making uh, since he was raised on the first day of the week, and the Bible is very clear about that it immediately became the tradition of the apostles to gather together on the first day of the week you can see that through acts and uh, they, they began to call that the lord's day and um, and until you know john tells us that he was in in meditation and prayer on the lord's day when he had his vision of revelation so it soon became a you know their tradition to meet together for worship on the lord's day and so that is Ideally, the Christian Sabbath, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's when, if at all possible, we should keep it because it's necessary to do it together. That communal uh, element of coming together to worship is necessary, so there has to be some agreement on it. And so uh, it it is Sunday now. You know, I think the personally the only way I have found it possible to keep the Sabbath. regularly in my life was to celebrate it from saturday night till sunday night so i started doing that mm-hmm. when i was a college student yeah. and i'd get all my studying and stuff done on sunday mo- saturday morning actually I was very, very Jewish. I was very weird i was very odd um not to called jews odd that's not what that meant was but i got up and studied on saturday morning because i was always behind then saturday afternoon i'd r- start relaxing totally relaxed saturday night get up go to church on sunday morning be with my Christian friends on Sunday afternoon, and then there would usually be uh, some kind of Bible study or something Sunday evening. And then when that was over, I, w- I had to throw myself back into my work. And I think that's pretty normal for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm not, you know, strict midnight to midnight. Guy. I'm not really strict about anything, I,
1: you know. But that, what I meant by that Jewish yeah. comment was I think their practice was right. from sundown
0: yeah, to, to sundown. sundown. And, and that still is the uh, the Jewish practice and. And the Muslim, I think it's the practice of everybody who does it go by the clock.
1: And so, would you say that Sunday is both we can we can call it both the Sabbath and the Lord's Day? That's what I'm in the habit of calling it both. I think some people get they get worked up about yeah. we need to call it the Lord's Day, but and, and. I don't do. You know, I, I, yeah,
0: I don't think I really call it either. <laughs> I think I call it Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's good. You know, it's interesting that uh, I think. God also planted a little gospel message in there mm-hmm. by changing to Sunday, because uh, when the Sabbath used to be on Saturday, that was the seventh day of the week. Yeah, the day the to calendar starting yeah. on the first day, and and there's a little bit of okay, let's work six days to get to the to the rest, to the seventh day. Mm-hmm. And then with the coming of Christ, wow, now the Sabbath, in yeah. the Lord's Day, is the first day we rest first we celebrate what Christ has done for us and then we live the rest yeah. of the week out of thankfulness out of that rest yeah and, and
0: I, I just think that rest element is so important and I'm, I haven't previewed the question it's may come back around but you know for people who don't have traditional jobs that rest that rule of one and seven is so important so you know, for us, we work on Sunday. It's it's not the only day of the week we work, contrary to popular opinion, <laughs> but it is uh, definitely the hardest day that we work, and so calling it in any way our Sabbath is not accurate. So I call Friday mine's the day I take off on those, of the day you take off. Yep. Um, you know, and I think it's important for everybody who has kind of non traditional work to think in those terms, you know, like, what is my Sabbath? So if that means, you know, you're a stay-at-home mom, then, you know, working together with the rest of your family to figure out how Sunday's going to be different and I'm not going to run myself as ragged on Sunday and I'm going to get more help from my family and there's some things we're going to take off And, and when you can do that. And I know, you know, Saturday, Sunday night's intense for a lot of people getting ready for school the next day. But just thinking, you know, the important thing is that you're thinking through this. Right. And those elements of rest, worship, you know, community... And uh, isolation, some time of, of solitary prayer. Uh, I think you know you need to have all that in a, in a regular pattern in your life. I and mean, if it can't be on Sunday, then then find a day every week when you protect it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah,
0: uh, that's hard to do.
1: Yeah, I think about Jesus's words that, that man was not made for mm-hmm. the Sabbath, but sa- the Sabbath was made for man. And that's so receive it as a gift. Yeah enjoy it It's yeah. something that you're were you ever a strict Uh, for probably most seminary yeah
0: ones. well that was such a hard nose yeah I mean that was tough I, uh, I protested when our seminary let some students have a super bowl party I look back and I, I mean I preached on it all the time in my youth group it's pretty funny how strict it was and I think I really just missed it I think I totally missed the boat in mm-hmm. those days I didn't really have a lot of the gospel I, I would have never known it at that time but I was very Pharisaical, very proud of how strictly I kept the Sabbath. And it really did become a symbol for how committed I was to the Lord. Mm. And I look back on those days as days and I was really hard on people. I was hard on my life, yeah. hard on my family members. I was just a hard person. Mm. What can I mean? And it's interesting. I don't, I'm not saying that all Sabbatarians are that way, but I start, those two things went together for me. I was very self-righteous, very judgmental. Um, I'm just thankful the Lord rescued me from that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's a gift. Let's let's treat it like a gift. Okay, next question. Uh, So do I follow the law because it is God's law, period? Or since there is now a new covenant, do I follow the law because I want to please God and do His will? Um... Following the law is the key
0: thing. There's all we, there's all kinds of reasons why I follow the law. You know, you follow it because... At the end of the day, we follow the law because we trust God. And we believe that He knows more than we do, so He knows what's right for me. We believe that He loves me so much that He gave His own Son for me, so this law is not designed to hurt me. And, and that's really the primary issue, is that, that we love Him, and so... Following the law is how we love him. I mean, we trust him, right? Mm -hmm. He knows more than we do. And so, uh, you know, I I use the example all the time of not putting water in the gasoline tank in our cars. He knows how we're designed to function, even though it feels really hard sometimes. You know, uh, greed is always a real struggle for me. and, And just... You know, letting letting go of that belief that a little more money would save me, and you know, forgiving my neighbors really hard for me. I, I got we were just talking before we started the podcast about how I can't preach until I kind of drain myself of all this self righteous anger and all that stuff. Is it feels wrong, but it I, I trust the Lord. He knows me, yep. and He knows that's that's what I, I need to be doing. So yeah,
1: that's good. Yeah, there's a little bit of a false dichotomy in the question. Yeah. Right? You, we do follow the law because it's God's law. Yeah. He is our creator. He is the uh, the one who sets the rules, and we should yeah. follow it because it's God's law. But if that's all we get, then we're not right. fully understanding God's law and yeah. His will for our lives. Yeah. And so we and that's should even, do it
0: because we want to please God. Yeah, both of those are in the prologue. Mm hmm. I am the Lord. Why don't we follow the Ten Commandments? Because I'm the Lord and you're not. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. I created you. But I'm also the Lord, your God. And I'm also the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of slavery. So it's all three, um, you know, or two, however you want to divide that. Good.
1: All right, next question. So much of what you mentioned this morning requires wisdom. Do we participate in team sports, competing on Sundays, is this a misuse of God's name, etc.? Can you give us a few diagnostic questions to ask ourselves as we seek to live and make decisions wisely and in accordance with God's law?
0: Yeah, those are all, you know, those are good, good questions. I think uh, you have to. That's why it's important to understand the laws themselves. And let me get, draw some just some good books. Um, you know, Michael Horton's book on the Ten Commandments was called uh, "The Law of Perfect Love." I, honestly, I'm not, full, full confession, I've read that book. Uh, but I love the I title. Read
1: I read it. Yeah. What do you
0: yeah. think? Is it okay that I recommend it? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I love that title. This is how we love each other, and I think that's always a good rule. Um, what's what's your favorite book on the Ten Commandments? Um, I don't know. Put you on the spot. Yeah, oh, well. you did. You, There's you a know, lot of them. Did uh, Sinclair you know,
1: Ferguson write
0: one. Sinclair, if he did, it was great. Then
1: <laughs> I loved it. <laughs>
0: Um, You know, the Westminster Confession has a great commentary on the Ten Commandments and the Shorter Catechism. And i just give you all that just to say, you know, that'll help you kind of think through it. For for the um, commandment not to take the Lord's name in vain, I would just ask you, whenever you see someone, especially in public, taking the Lord's name, ask yourself, are you doing this, whenever you're tempted to take the Lord's name in public, are you doing this because you genuinely love the Lord, and He's a real person to you who saved you, or are you doing it for any other reason? You know, whether it be social capital, political power, uh, you know, whatever else. I've always, and, and I'll say this in this setting, I'll say this because y'all can't really yell at me. I, I've always really discouraged any public religion in my children Mm. because I didn't think they were mature enough to handle it. And I didn't want them to become the quote-unquote spiritual kids at at school. And so things like see you at the poll or Mm. any kind of public prayer things, I'd really discourage my kids to do that. And that's okay if you didn't. That's fine. I'm Mm -hmm. not trying Mm -hmm. to. But I'm just saying I I knew my kids. I know the danger of spiritual pride. I know that even if they're, they're... motives were 100% pure, that kind of stuff just brings a lot of temptation with it. And I didn't think they were ready for it. So uh, Jesus discourages public religion, and so I will too. (laughs) I'll stand by that one. You know,
1: the question was asked about diagnostic questions, and specifically concerning activities on the Sabbath. I think as a parent, Mm -hmm. one diagnostic question is really, are you... Pursuing God mm. first. I yeah. mean, it's the first commandment, right? Yeah. Do you have any other lords or a God. yep before God? And do your children as much as you can tell? And and I would say, if you and your family are pursuing God, yeah, uh, then there are times when you may have to miss church or you know, there's special school thing um, that you sure. have to do. Sure. I'm okay with that. But if you are pursuing uh, soccer glory above yeah. the glory of God or if you see
0: sports as your kids sal- savior right you are gonna be missing or church or all the time prep yep.
1: as your your kids savior and you're gonna miss it all the time and and it doesn't bother you then yeah I am really bothered yeah um, and you should be
0: yeah I think I think that Sabbath day question really does it invades us a little bit it invades us and says what's your what's really your God What's really your God is uh, is rest. Your God is you know. A lot of people we don't talk about that very much. Is we make an idol out of pleasure, especially in our country. We kind of feel like we deserve it. We
1: do, yeah.
0: And um, you know that next party over the hill is um, you know has become the real God to us. We make football a God. Yeah. You know, a lot of people miss a lot of church in the fall because they're. You know, there, there's just so much. They make take a good thing. Football is definitely a good thing. You know, I'll believe that. But just make it into this passionate, ultimate thing. And it'll never deliver.
1: We know? worship at the altar of football.
0: We all wish worship at the altar right? of football. That's right.
1: Yeah. And I have to really check myself to whether I'm getting a good mm-hmm. balance. Because, like, when I go on vacation with my family, I'm always, we're going to find a church, find a good church to go to. And it's a little bit, is that because. <laughs> I want everybody to know what a good pastor I am or do I really want to worship Jesus? No, I think you're doing fine. Uh, so yeah. But those are good diagnostic yeah.
0: questions. And you know, same yes. was true with work. If we're find ourselves missing church for work a lot, you know, are we making work into too much of an idol? Um those are all good hard questions.
1: Yep, no. Yep. All right, next question. Isn't part of our command to rest about the idea that we should be looking forward to the day when we experience complete rest in heaven? We often stop to remember what God has done for us, but on the Sabbath, we stop to remember what He will do, what He has promised. Sure, that's more of a statement than a question.
0: (laughs) It is, but... I don't disagree with that.
1: Yeah, and and Hebrews 4 is all about that. Yeah. That uh, we are looking forward to our Sabbath rest, our eternal rest. Yeah. In the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah, it
0: it should be, you know, all all of the book of Revelation and all it says about... You know, a place of love and acceptance and worship that really should be, you know, we're, what we are getting a foretaste of when we come to church together. And uh, so, yeah, I, I hope it is a, a foretaste of it.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. How do you respond to a society that increasingly views the Ten Commandments and the law as bigoted or intolerant? Uh, you know, I don't really see that much.
0: Um, I don't know anybody who would say, you know, I mean, I, I, I try not to get into these petty culture war type things. I don't, I don't see a lot of people out there saying, I should be able to steal, and if I don't get to steal, that's bigoted. I mean, I think there's a problem whenever we're trying to force other people to do something religious. So, uh, you know, it makes sense to me that other people wouldn't like it if we forced them to not do something on Sunday. I'm not sure that that's where the law belongs. It's a healthy debate, not one I'm particularly interested in. Um, but, you know, the whole idea of a society that's increasingly bigoted against the church, I, maybe I'm naive. I, I hear people get really mad about that a lot, but I've just not seen it a single time in my entire life. For me personally, there's never been a single time when I felt like society was mad at me because... You know, I told some... because I didn't want to commit adultery. Like I didn't have any. I don't. I've never had society forcing me to commit adultery and calling me a bigot because I didn't commit adultery. Yeah. Now, you know, again, there is a tendency when we try to project our laws onto other people and call them bad. Good committing adultery is a bad thing. I'm not saying it's not. But Jesus never led with that. He led with the gospel. You know, and so I mean, I don't I don't know the context of that question. What you're really yeah, trying to get to?
1: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know who sent it, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I think it is true that it used to be the question in our culture: the apologetic question was, "Is Christianity true?" And mm. so, could we prove through apologetics? Now, I think the question might be more: "Is Christianity good for the world?" Yeah. Is is organized religion good? Is uh, following Jesus in the Bible, are they good? And, yeah. and I think that there are a lot of voices in our culture that are saying, ah, I'm not so sure Christianity is good. It's yeah. homophobic. It's
0: anti-whatever.
1: Yeah. And,
0: uh, I, um, I don't think it's hard to defend the Ten Commandments. Right. I yeah. think it's pretty hard to defend evangelicalism. And that's another question for another day, but...
1: And maybe the deeper or broader yeah. view of the Ten Commandments, like a, a Christian sexual ethic, we would yeah. say, is rooted in the, Ten in Commandments. the Seventh sure. Commandment. But. And
0: again, with those people, i to talk to them about Jesus first. When Jesus uh, confronted the woman at the well, who was an adulteress, who had been in five marriages, who was living with a man she wasn't married to, he didn't meet her with the Seventh Commandment. He met her with the Gospel. And, uh, and so that should always be the, the front door. And I don't expect anybody who has not received the grace of Jesus to, to want to live by his commandments.
1: Yeah. And so yeah.
0: I don't startle them.
1: Well, it's interesting. You In your sermon, you talked about the third and the fourth commandment. Yeah. Almost all the questions were about the, the fourth. fourth commandment. Yeah. And last question is um, why does it seem like the Sabbath is handled differently in the New Testament versus the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, it carried the death penalty. In the New Testament, we're not even sure if it's even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: sure it's a thing. We're sure it's a thing. Yes, um, that's a good question. I think there is a, a big answer to that, and I don't want to give you know spend fifteen seconds here explaining it. Uh, we break the law into uh, three kind of categories. There's a moral law which is based in Creation, how we were created to function, and those laws all still apply. Um, they are all related to who God is and how He created us, and so that includes the Sabbath day. Maybe not the, the part about the winds and the house, but definitely that the part of one day in seven, just as God rested after six days of work, we need to rest after six days of work. Um, there's also the ceremonial law. And the ceremonial law was all pointing toward Jesus. And some of those laws have been changed, but, and others of them have been fulfilled. We're not throwing any of them away. Um, they've either been changed or fulfilled. And so uh, Jesus, and Jesus did fulfill part of the Sabbath law. He is our Sabbath. Uh, Paul says that. That's a great thought to meditate on, to ask ourselves, have we received him as our Sabbath? Is he our rest? Or are we still uh, feverishly working to, to earn our identity, to, to s- protect and, and save ourselves? Are we, uh, or, or, or are we resting in Him and what He's done for us? And so that is, um, you know, that's what Jesus has fulfilled. Just like we don't sacrifice animals anymore because Jesus is the final sacrifice. And we don't circumcise our firstborn, our children, our sons anymore uh in a religious way, because uh, God, Jesus has shed blood for us, and so we, we use baptism instead of circumcision. Uh, all those the, the ceremonial laws, the shedding of blood laws, the the, mar- the covenant markers—they're fulfilled in Jesus. And then the third uh, set of laws is kind of the uh, the governmental laws, and uh, those have been taken over instead of by the state, um, taken by the church, and so things that were. Would have required uh, a death penalty in the Old Testament uh, when God was setting up Israel as a theocracy to look like His kingdom. Uh, they are now uh, punished with excommunication. Right. So we don't stone somebody for adultery; we excommunicate them for unrepentant adultery. And um, and then you know the good news is that it allows for repentance and for restoration. Okay. So it, that's that sounds hard. It's important to understand that. Uh, a lot of people will try to make a mockery of the old testament or a mockery of the law by ignoring those kind of things and they don't want right. to they don't want an answer you oh,
1: can't eat shellfish yeah
0: you can't eat shellfish would be killed you know those kind of stupid things those are that's not real debate that's just making a mockery and it's best not to answer scoffers just laugh and say yeah you're right and move on but there, there is a real answer to, to the sensitive of heart. I'd love to uh, explain that more to you. There's a great book called The Shadow of Christ and the Law of Moses. If you really are interested mm-hmm. and you're the kind of person who just wants to throw yourself into that stuff, that's man, that's a good book, man. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great one. So. Yeah, that's
1: good. Israel really was unique in uh, history in a theological sense. But yeah, the, the Sabbath still is. We, we need to learn from them. And I'll tell you something, I, I uh, skimmed an article the other day, it was really interesting. in the Entrepreneur magazine, it was about Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Did you know Chick-fil-A makes more money per restaurant than McDonald's, Subways, and Starbucks combined? Wow. And uh, they were just theorizing, like, why is that that they make so much money, besides mm-hmm. the fact they have really, they have good, really chicken, good chicken? Right? But they were saying, you know, closing Sunday may create a craving. Hmm. From us, you know. I know I can't get it all the time. I want it when it's open. They also talk about how it may attract better employees, and they know that they're going to have at least one day mm-hmm. every week they can work. And it, they theorize it also makes customers appreciate the, the company's mindfulness. So I thought that was just really interesting. Yeah, here's a company that that abides by the Sabbath and does not make their employees work, and, and they are flourishing. They're out. doing
0: fine. They're printing money.
1: Doesn't mean that. Yeah. If
0: they had bad chicken... If they had bad they chicken, it wouldn't, wouldn't work out, would, uh, but... It would not work, but... Well, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, interesting studies about the relationship between productivity and, and a day off. Right. Harvard Business Review has a writer whose name I'm just not going to be able to grab. Uh, nope, I'm not going to get it. But um, yeah, he writes a lot about the necessity of rest um, being directly correlated to your productivity.
1: Yeah, I want, it's interesting. When I, right when I was coming out of college, I started hearing these things of like four hours of sleep. Is oh the yeah, ultimate—that's <laughs> all you need, and you'll be so much more productive. Now they're saying like eight hours. Eight hours, man. You gotta have eight hours. You're not productive, isn't it? I like that.
0: I, well, I like it, it takes me nine hours to get it, uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna look that guy's name up. And so, don't go away. Um, all right, it's been uh, fun getting back
1: on the horse after
0: Tony Schwartz. Tony okay. Schwartz is the writer about rest. He, he he writes the Harvard Business Review and, um, yeah, he talks a ton about rest. He's got a that's kind of his main thing. Um, yeah. Good. So anyway, I'm sorry I got Cook called on that. I wasn't yeah. Away from no,
1: it. i was just saying it's fun to get back on the horse. Yeah, to do a podcast is what it's been a year. It's been a long time.
0: It's been a long time. Two
1: years maybe. Uh, we did like two last year. Last year was a rough
0: year. Last year was a, sure was a rough year. So, but we're gonna start getting back to generating some content, and uh, whether it be this or writing a blog post again, I feel like I'm back, kind of back in the saddle. Do you feel right, like you're back Mr. in the General,
1: saddle? I definitely am back in the saddle. All right.
0: Well, well, I'll see you again soon. Okay. All sounds right. good. Let's see if that was actually recording. All of a sudden, I got afraid.